0: Madden is the type that she's not a super talkative person and at the end of the week she said those horses you're working with are all remarkably better in the arena but yet at this point the training didn't overlap.
1: Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, a podcast for horse lovers everywhere. A place where we love to bring consciousness to the horse world. I'm your host Tracy Malone. I was born on Wiradjuri country and this podcast is brought to you from my home in the Samford Valley in the northwest of Brisbane, Australia. This land I now live on is Waka Waka and Terrible Country. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and to pay my deep respects to their ancestors, past, present and future. And I'd also like to extend that respect to each and every one of you listening. In this episode, I speak with Shauna Karash from the Terranova Training Center in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I know I say this a lot, but you really are going to love this one. Shauna has an energy and zest for life that is truly infectious. She also shares with us a story of how she was one of the first people in the world to use positive reinforcement training with horses. And, of course, she got a start right at the top with international show jumpers when she brought this across to horses. She also got offered to spend time with Tom Dorrance, one of the creators of the Natural Horsemanship Movement. She could literally have changed his world and the Natural Horsemanship Movement. But I'll let her tell you that story herself. It would be easy to think that Shauna might have a bit of ego at play with all of her years of extraordinary experience. But of course, she is true to this training movement, and like all of the other trainers I have interviewed, she is great because of her lack of ego. She is on a mission, just as I am, to change the face of horsemanship the world over. So this is yet another conversation of kindred spirits building the energy and education to bring consciousness to the horse world. You are going to love this one. Here is Shauna. Shauna, thank you so much for joining me on the show today.
0: Oh, well, thank you, Tracy. It's great to be here.
1: Ah, it's a pleasure. Can you, first of all, tell me just a little bit about what it is that you do?
0: Okay. Um, I, I, I do positive reinforcement training with horses. So I worked first with the marine mammals and then after about 10 years, I kind of got into horses and that's kind of a whole story unto itself. But that's what I do is I teach people how to utilize positive reinforcement with horses, how to do it with practical application, how to have different alternatives to, you know, traditional ways we've done things. Well, how could we get, how can we elicit this behavior with just positive reinforcement instead of having equipment, you know, to create it. So that's really, I guess, in a nutshell, what I do is I teach people and help them to learn how to successfully put that into their training program
1: great and we're going to get into that long story and I love how clear you are on this because there's people out there who are really starting to put down clicker training and we're going to go into that a lot more I'm sure because there are actually right ways to do it and wrong ways to do it so it's it's really lovely that um what it is that you're doing. And I've checked out all your sites and your clarity is amazing. And we're going to talk about a podcast that Shauna does as well. So you can actually listen to exactly how to use this kind of training for certain problems or things that you'd like to do with your horse. So first of all, Shauna, let's go back to close to the start. Did you actually grow up with horses?
0: Well, that's an interesting story. I, um, I actually kind of didn't. We had We had my granddad had what we call a hobby farm so he had horses and he had some cattle and we would go visit on the weekends and he would visit on the weekends because he was a professional man who didn't do this all the time so we would go visit and I so I grew up There's pictures of me as an infant, you know in diapers sitting on a horse and so I did my first probably five years I really was around horses and did things with horses but then when I was about six years old, I, I had a change of heart. And, and I think what's important with this is to know that I was abused from the time I was three till I was 16. Mm. So when I was about six years old, I, I noticed that when we would go to get the horses, they were really hard to catch. You know, they lived in, you know, they lived and um, we had hundreds of acres. So it was, they were really hard to catch. And I kind of thought, it dawned on me, they don't necessarily want to be caught. I And I realized they didn't really necessarily like what we were doing. And I know now, and I felt like we were imposing ourselves on them. And that to me made me feel very uncomfortable. I did not know at the time that I was identifying with them. You know, in my situation being abused and it was sexually abused. So I was being imposed upon. and And it happened from such a young age that I didn't have, a voice to really speak up against it you know so I was in that part of my life really was learned helplessness and that's what these horses were and I'll tell you these are horses they were they're quarter horses and these are horses that I see today I mean not these exact horses but these type of horses and people say they're good horses because they're so safe you know us children could be around them we could hang on their legs they wouldn't do anything and I realized now they were just shut down horses. You know, this wasn't, they were safe. Yes. But, but they weren't thriving. They unto themselves were not really happy horses. So that's kind of where I backed away. And then at the age of, I guess it was seven years old. I remember saying to myself, I don't want to be a part of any person or any animal's life unless I can help to improve their quality of life. And, I, I, and that's a kind of a big load for a seven year old who's in the middle of, you know, just trying to survive, you know, with the abuse. It's massive. Yeah, and I so I don't know why. I, I knew that then. And then very quickly I realized people are complicated. <laughs> Think they, they can make up their own minds. But the animals have not they did not choose this. Anything from a cat to a dog to a horse to a whale. None of them chose this. So we chose this for them. And because of that, I feel like I really always wanted to be a steward for the animals and be sure that I'm helping to improve their quality of life that having me in their life made their life better and so I've stuck with that and I had no idea that I would be living this every single day of my life as an adult but it was that made the big difference and I didn't really want anything to do with the horses well I did if they wanted to follow me and be with me I would have loved that because I still love them and and I've loved all animals that was a safety thing I think with my my upbringing you know humans weren 't so safe, but animals always were they 're always honest but with that, as i I grew and I kind of recognized that, I feel like I lost my way a little bit, but that 's okay, but i just it was really important to me, and so now I feel like it is up to us to be sure that we 're improving their quality of life and helping them to be happy, and that feels like we need to be stewards for them, and so that 's what i why I didn't, I walked away from the horses. So if they would follow mm. him in, that would have been great. But I think really what they were is I, I found, I remembered what I forgot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. But you oh. set the intention at such a young age that it was always going to come back. And because the intention was set from such a strong, heartfelt place, it was always going to happen really.
0: Yes, I, absolutely. I I always loved animals and was focused on that. So it it absolutely is true.
1: Mm, It just had to wait until you were ready. And what did that mean for you when you left school? What direction did you go in?
0: Well, I decided I wanted to do a field study with terrestrial animals. And then when I was, you know, going to university and I went on a field study of the finback whales down in Mexico. So we went down and studied their ecosystem as well as the whales. And I kind of thought, you know, why wasn't I thinking marine mammals? I grew up on the beach. I grew up surfing. I grew up swimming. I grew up, you know, and I know it kind of was that the marine mammals, it's to do field studies a little challenging because you're on boats. But so I thought when I get back, I'm going to get a job working with the marine mammals just for the summer because, you know, it was was just a summertime break. And I ended up, um, they worked me with my school schedule for the next year. And then the next summer, a job came up with marine mammals as a summertime marine mammal trainer. And so I tried out and I got the position and I was there for 10 years. So it really, I think, I always feel like when doors open, you kind of walk through the door and you see and that's what I think it did. It kind of put me on that place where I wanted to help The species to be better. And then I kind of realized with the marine mammals, I could help the individuals to be better. I could help to be sure their life was as best as it could be in their situation. And so I think that the personal side of it became a real passion for me. So that, and then that, ended up, should I keep going about how I got to horses?
1: Yeah, but first of all, tell us a bit more about what that was like. How hard was it to become a trainer? Did you find you were a natural adult? What was it like and what animals did you actually work with?
0: I actually, I, I, I am quite, because of the abuse, I'm actually what we call hypervigilant or hyper attentive, And that means I notice I notice when the atmosphere and tension changes in a room. I notice when a person changes, when a, so that's actually helped me to be a very good trainer because I'm very sensitive to the lightest little adjustment of, of, you know, tension or energy or so it makes it, it made me, made it helped it to be a natural. And I think that because of that kind of hypersensitivity to the little adjustments, I paid attention to the emotions and the part that is, being sure that they were happy. You know, I could see that and recognize it. So I think, you know, every cloud has a silver lining. I wouldn't go about it that way, but but there it is. So I think that helped, but being a marine mammal trainer was, you know, it is a hard job. You know, you're doing, it's a, it's a busy, hard job. And I worked with whales, beluga whales, orcas, uh, dolphins, commerce and dolphins, um, sea lions, walruses, otters, beluga whales. And so I just, I worked with all, a whole bunch of different species. But my favorite really were the sea lions. The sea lions (laughs) were the ones I liked the most. And you know what? Sea lions are the ones that remind me the most of horses. I think sea lion horses are very similar. So, yeah. So, so it was very fun and it was, you know, they all, working with the different animals, it was all very different, you know? So, Working with the whales, that's amazing and big and and everything's done as a team. But I really, the sea lions, walruses and otters, to me, the sea lions really were the ones that were, you had so many and you trained gobs and gobs and gobs of behaviors. And we could take them out in the park and we could go on cart rides. And so you got to kind of teach them to enjoy the world and have a lot of enrichment in their lives. And I really... I like that part quite a bit. So it was, it was an amazing time. But you know what I feel like? Everything I learned in that 10 years was preparing me for where I am today. Mm. And I found once I started working with horses, I've learned 50 times what I learned with the marine mammals. I learned good technique with the marine mammals. I learned good, you know, that really good technique and, and how to raise criteria and do, you know, the things you want and make it fun and make sure they enjoyed it. Because frankly, they got all their food each and every day, regardless of what they did or didn't do. And they got all their social time each and every day, regardless of what they did or did not do. So our job was to be sure they thought this was fun. You know, and so I, I learned that really a lot with the marine mammals. But horses came, come with such different backgrounds and, and baggage and sensitivities. And I, I've just learned so much more. And also, you know, people, training the people is different. So I've learned so much more since being with the horses. So I feel like it was all preparing me. For yeah. For where I am today, <clears throat>
1: yeah, it is a bit like that. I have the similar feeling of everything that I have done in my life, even though it was a door that opened and I think, why on earth am I doing this now it all makes sense. It gave me the piece of the puzzle and the toolkit that I needed to to um, to do what it is I'm doing now. So I totally understand that. So after your ten years, Did you just transition across to horses? How did they
0: come back into your life? (laughs) Well, what I had done, um, the person who owned the park was part of Anheuser-Busch, which is big, you know, Budweiser beer. and, And so it was Elizabeth Bush Burke gave some of us trainers tickets to see a show jumping Grand Prix in Del Mar. That's in San Diego area. So we all go. And the other trainers like, you know, whatever. And I, for some reason... At that night, I thought, oh, This is what I want to do. I want to ride Grand Prix. I didn't even know what posting was, so you know, I had a little row to hoe. But wow. I and I have to say, too, I saw some horses that night that clearly more horses than not clearly were unhappy horses. But there were two, and one really stood out. It was a horse and rider combination. It was Hap Hansen on a horse named Fairway. and they made it look like a walk in the park. It was very clear. They both enjoyed it. Nobody was, you know, being forced to do this. And I thought that's what I want to do. And now I had, I knew positive reinforcement. That's all I knew, frankly. I didn't even know. I'd never even done, you know, pressure release with a dog. You know, I didn't even, I didn't know that side. So outside of textbooks. And so I knew that I had a way that you could help them to like that. So that one particular horse made me want to do that. So I start looking around and asking people. I had access to Grand Prix show jumpers because of some mutual friends. So I kept saying, you know, how come you don't use positive reinforcement? What about positive reinforcement, positive reinforcement, positive reinforcement? And I kept getting, no, it doesn't work like that. That's uh, not how you do it with horses. Horses aren't smart enough, somebody said. Oh. the Grand Prix show jumper, and I thought, and you're riding them, you know. Oh. But anyway, so I kept hearing, no, 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 and. I had sat on something, the board, executive board is something called the International Marine Animal Trainers Association, which means we went to different parks and we every year had a conference where everybody come. It was always hosted by parks and zoos. So in person with my own eyes, I had seen target trained hyenas, meerkats, hippos, rhinos, lions, tigers, bears, giraffes, sharks, goldfish. So I kind of thought it doesn't make sense that this doesn't work with horses, but in fairness, I haven't done it. So I kept, I just kept asking and looking. And finally, I read this article by, uh, about a man named, um, and it was just in like a people magazine, which is a little borderline gossip magazine. But anyway, so I, it was about this man named Tom Dorrance. And Tom Dorrance is basically the grandfather of the natural horsemanship movement. Yeah. So I didn't know what natural horsemanship was. So I called the man and he was very encouraging. And he said, yes. And I said, I'm a marine mammal trainer and I want to train horses because I thought this guy doesn't sound like what I keep hearing from people. And he said, yes, you should do it. He even said that he invited me to come to his farm to do or to his ranch to do it with him. And knowing what I know now, that would have been a pretty big thing, but I'm like, I have to work, you know, and I didn't take him off on it, but it did tell me that from that phone conversation, I thought that I'm going to take lessons. That's it. I'm going to go take it. You
1: are so funny. I called Tom Dorrance (laughs) and he invites me down. I say, No.
0: (laughs) No, I don't, what? And it turns out
1: he. I could have, have been the person that revolutionised even his mind through training, even though his and mind was, was a more advanced than everyone else's. I could have taken no, no, it's not my path.
0: Who is this? Yeah, <laughs> really funny now to think of it. But it turns out he had actually used some positive reinforcement, but he didn't know the systematic way that we do it. You know, like with the marine mammals and now with the horses. So he knew there was power in it, but he didn't know how to like. How do you faded? Or how do you, he didn't know the science behind it, which I think is really powerful as you try to understand it. So from there though, I I took lessons. I said, okay, that's it. I'm taking jumping lessons. And I, I went and I took lessons and I thought I'm going to learn how it's done traditionally. So I understand what has kind of been working out here. But you know what I also naively thought? I thought, horse people don't know about this. They are going to love it. They will be excited. (laughs) And how many years ago was this? What year was this in? This was probably 1995.
1: <laughs> you are so, more of an optimist even than me. That's amazing. I think I
0: was the king's um, optimist. I, I, I am very optimistic, but I think I was really naive, is what it was. I thought, oh my gosh, they don't even know. This is crazy. They're going to love this. But so then I uh, had met somebody who was a grand prix show jumper and um, he's vinton carish who was uh my husband who's now not my husband but you know i'm sorry he's a great guy a
1: lot of ways
0: fantastic yes and he did and we went and had a um we went to, out to dinner with a guy named john madden who was married to beasy madden who is a really highly recognized international considered probably one of the best in the world as grand prix show jumpers definitely the best in the united States. But at that point she was an Olympic rider or Olympic medalist. But so we went to dinner and Vinton said, tell him about the training you do with the marine mammals. So I'm like, okay. And he was out in San Diego building courses for, um, you know, cause he's an excellent horseman. Mm-hmm. And so I said, oh, okay. And so I told him about the the horses and I mean about the marine mammal training and he just got more and more and more involved And so I ended up sending him home with a clicker now We didn't call it clicker training with the marine mammals because we didn't really even use clickers We used dog whistles or a verbal bridge signal, but I had some that we had used for some project or something So I sent him home with a clicker and he went home and he called the first day And beasy had a horse that came to her terrified of a riding stick. So you couldn't have one Somebody on the ground, you definitely couldn't have it on when you're on his back. So there's no crops, no riding sticks anywhere around him. So he, um, John went home and he called the first day and said, I not only got this horse to touch the riding stick, I can't get him to stop. <laughs> oh. So that's where we started. He said, you must come here and live here and we'll start a business and let's really figure this out. So that was where and I made the leap to, to horses.
1: Yeah. And just on that point, that it never ceases to amaze me how fast horses shift. And they show us time and time again, it doesn't matter what's happened in the lead up to this and how many times you have screwed this up and done so many things wrong. The second you change, I will reward you. It's like a, it's like a double reward. It's like we're rewarding the horse and then the horse rewards us and goes, finally, (laughs) let's do this together.
0: That's exactly it. It's very reinforcing and it just, it's made such phenomenal changes that you, I can't even, so many people think about the training and they think, I want to use it to teach this. And you know, the real beauty and the real power is it changes the relationship that's underneath. Yeah. And so pretty soon everything is easier. You know, I, I have a horse now, Murray, and Murray was an off the track thoroughbred, suspicious of the world, kind of angry was his first way to go if he didn't know. And he's just he'll work with anybody now, he's really focused and impulse control and sweet and happy and curious and, and it's all, it wasn't, you know, you use teaching stuff to change the emotional state, but it's his emotional state that's changed, that's made him be now such an open and receptive and, you know, I, I love life kind of horse and that's, it's so powerful
1: wow so tell me how you went with the first show jumper you worked with where how did it what did it take the horse from and to because you're working with great show jumpers anyway so they had all this talent and potential what changed with them
0: well you know it was interesting that very first week that we just went to John and Beezy's because they live the other side of the country, up in the north cold area. And so we went to kind of go see kind of how we all got along. But it was the first time I really did use the clicker and the target with the horses. And all I did in that first week, I did three five-minute sessions a day of clicker training when they were in their stalls. So they had full days and turnout doing all the stuff they do. But when they are inside, I did three five-minute sessions a day with the clicker. Then the next three days, I did three five-minute sessions a day with a target. So it's the repetition that really kind of helps to build that a bit. And it was interesting because BZ Madden is the type that she's not a super talkative person. You know, she would never say, cute hair. You know, that's yeah. just not really how she is. And at the end of the week, she said, those horses you're working with are all remarkably better in the arena. Wow. But, yeah, but yet at this point, the training didn't overlap. But we started seeing happier horses from the get-go. All so, you were doing was waking them up. Uh, yes, and getting endorphins and dopamine flowing through their system, yeah. and and giving them you know some choice, and and it's all very powerful. So from that point forward, we knew, and that's like with this, the marine mammals, always had this kind of consistent trajectory. But the horses, you're now introducing to their life. A whole nother part. Now, keep in mind, too, Beezy is the type that she, she doesn't go get horses. She doesn't get baby horses. She gets younger horses, but horses who already like their jobs. Her mm-hmm. nature is not to go get one and make it that way because she sees talent. She really wants a horse who already kind of is on their way. So I didn't really start off with, you know, super troubled horses. They would all have little issues here and there. Not all of them, but some of them. And and so I kind of got to see the best of that world, you know, because there's a dark side of every, every yeah. discipline out there, or even every training method out there, I think, yeah. fr- frankly. So it was pretty amazing. But we, with them you know, they had young horses, they had old horses, they had horses from Europe, horses that were, you know, thoroughbreds, they had horses from Argentina. And so we had a lot of diversity in the horses we were working with. And so it was just, to me, it was like my lab time. This is where I was figuring out how does it work? How much do you do? Does it mix? Can you, what, 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 what? So it was pretty amazing and fun to see. It was just packed with information for me and I just loved it.
1: And so where did it go from there? How much did the horses change? I believe there there was a huge change in their performance once you got to do more.
0: Yes, there was a huge change in their performance. It also helped us to address issues. Like one horse came to them and he wouldn't back up under saddle without rearing. So that's fine. We could just teach the back up on the ground, put the rider on, and then pretty soon he just loved backing up. So that little piece, while he was really good at the other pieces, this little piece was a stressor for him. So with that kind of always a threat that he might be asked to back up at any time, or even asking him to collect, you imagine is a little bit not his favorite thing. So this, you know, I don't really know, but you think of somebody starts saying, hey, can you start to do anything that may feel like it's going to go to a backup? I'm sure he had tension. So as he sorted that out, he's like, this is great. And it just, it opens up this other side where it really changes the relationship. So it it really did. and And we'd find that how much the target became such a security blanket and could change emotions from way over threshold and worry to relaxed and calm and focused. And it just it, it went on and on. And there was a really famous horse. His name's Judgment and Judgment is a Dutch warm blood that uh, was ridden by another Olympic rider first and then went to BZ when he had retired and the when the rider had retired. Mm-hmm. And he had a notorious open water issue like he was not going to jump open water and that's all there was to it so John and Beezy went to the owner and said hey we can keep him as a national horse and not and kind of avoid the open water or we could address it and so she said well let's address it And they said okay good we will pull for shows and he was out of shows I think it was the better part of a year For him, they broke it back down. They took it down to baby pieces because by now they knew the training really good. I had kind of moved on and realized this isn't just for Grand Prix show jumpers. Mm -hmm. This is for everybody, you know. So I'd kind of moved off. We still kept in touch, but I'd written a book and did a lot of expos and demos. But so they took the training and they broke it down to little baby steps and said, we're going to click you for jumping a little jump and built it and built it and built it and built it till he, you know, a year later, He loves doing the water. And so they took him up to Spruce Meadows, which is a big uh, show up in Canada. That's a big international show. And there's the Derby, which is full of open water. Well, this horse had a reputation. So everybody knew You know that he was horrible. So they about the open water. So people are saying, you put him in the derby. It's chock full of water. He's failed out of this class before. What? What are they thinking? You're wasting your money. And they were in the in the schooling arena doing. Target click feed target, <laughs> and he, and then when BZ went in the arena before she went through the timer, she rode by the water, and he was a type that would balk away from the water, and he just rode by nice and softly. So she'd built up to where she could click for a particular moments, and then, uh, and then feed at the ends. So it'd been built up with, with this through the training, and so she clicked. And he just nickered. He's like, because <laughs> he knew now it was game on, and it was his favorite game, and he's excited that they're going to do his favorite game. Oh. So it's it's very powerful and can really change so much about the horses. And I think it's really important to know we can get horses to think showing is a blast and super fun if. We take the time and really teach them that new places are good, new things are good, that the things we do together are good. So I think it's really, it can be such a fun thing if we can do it properly. Yeah. And
1: the key there is that the things we do together are good, isn't it? It's when you yes. build it up and, and they actually want to be with you. They love new things because they love what it is that you do with them on a day-to-day basis you're so enriching to them that they just want more of what it is you're giving I absolutely love it so and wh- that's it yeah it's enriching yeah yeah and so what did you transition on to next that was such a beautiful story but how first of all how did everyone respond when this horse was like all of a sudden fine with water
0: oh I got <laughs> I got uh calls from like eight international big names, you know, like Ian Miller's people in Canada, you know, big names called to get ordered side buckets and targets and books and videos. Wow. They still needed more at that point because this was a long time ago, but, but at least it piqued their interest, you know, so it was, it it was pretty impressive to people.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. And what's great is that they were impressed by it and wanted to take a step as well because there's being impressed and going, yeah, but that's just, it's a one-off. So that's fantastic that they were open to it at that stage.
0: Yeah, it really was.
1: Great. So what did you transition to? What you did go on to teaching everyone and anyone at that stage?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I really went to doing expos and demos and clinics and I wrote a book and we made videos. And that's really kind of where I I went because I thought we have to reach many, 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 many people. Now keep in mind, this was 25 years ago. I was kind of like a sideshow. (laughs) Were
1: you one of the first doing this with like really training
0: this with horses? Absolutely. So there's me and another gal at the same time. And we met before either of us had done anything with uh, like writing a book called Alexander Curlin. And we had met at a John Lyons clinic and she had just started doing the training. So it was very new to her, but I had just take, I had just transitioned from the marine mammals to the horses. So we had met each other and we were both kind of out there and we've, we really were the beginning. And I started very directly with the competition horses. So uh, the first clinic I booked was for the United States Equestrian Team. Wow! So I thought, well, I you better get it at the top. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I got to work with a lot of international competitors, Olympic dressage, and and so I, I got to do all that. But I really did kind of branch out where I wanted to do more clinics because I thought we really need to reach more people. So it's great that this is going here, but there's horses in way worse situations, you know, and, and people, it just needs to be bigger. So you just kind of one by one. And I think it's funny now because there's groups that are positive reinforcement groups and clicker training groups that for horses, and they'll be talking. They're like, it's just not moving fast enough. And I (laughs) look around (laughs) like, oh my gosh, this is exponentially so much bigger. And, and now, you know, you have groups talking about it. I, we were, I was just a an oddity, you know, that was constantly having to educate and educate one by one by one. So uh, that's really where I I did. And I I really stayed away from having a local following because I didn't, if I trained locally, that means I helped one person and two people. But if I got in front of hundreds or thousands of people, that made, I could reach more people and get kind of some foundation laid there. And I started... A little bit later on, I I had a little sabbatical in there because <laughs> I had to process the abuse, you know, so I had yeah. a my own little breakdown. I had to go through, not breakdown, but I had to go through a period of sorting through, you know, all that. So I had a little sabbatical there after, you know, we had made this big headway and Vinton and I just got out there and did everything and went on tour and it, it would be, you know, we would be all of us doing clinics, it would be Pat Prelly and Chris Cox and Clinton Anderson. And, you know, we'd see each other at every expo and we were all kind of friends going around doing our thing. And then I did have my little time off where I had to kind of sort through, you know, and get to a, learn how to kind of deal with the emotions that were behind it. And, yeah. Well, that's and- so important too, because you're such a a positive
1: move forward. Let's get this done personality that if you don't stop eventually and honor that in some way it'll it'll sneak up on you later in a different way so it's really good to hear you're able to recognize that and do it
0: and i i encourage anybody you know and sometimes you don't even know how much it's affecting your life like i'm just fine it happened but you squish it all down where mm-hmm. it belongs you know that's what it feels like and it was really important when i sorted through it i came out in such a different better clearer, more compassionate, happier place. It doesn't mean everything's perfect, you know. It's not like everything's rosy. But even in the middle of the storm, I have peace. You yeah. know, I'm like, it's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. It's going to sort out. We'll be. And that is something I didn't even know I could have, frankly. So I really encourage people to never take be afraid to take a good look inside and stop and sort through things that. Maybe taking a bigger toll than you ever know.
1: Mm, what beautiful advice! Yeah, it's, 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 had to learn the hard way, but,
0: yeah. <laughs> but the best anyway. and
1: longest-lasting
0: way that we can learn. Yes, and it's and it's really, I could only go so far with the baggage I was carrying, mm. but now that I have freed that up, I can I can go so much. The sky's the limit, you know. And I just I just know that. So, after I came back from my sabbatical, I started doing something called Ask Shauna questions. So, there are gobs of YouTube videos on Shauna Karras' YouTube channel, and it, they're the Ask Shauna questions. And so, there's lots and lots of addressing people sending questions, and I would just address them. And a lot of times back then, particularly, they were still, this is probably 2007 or 8, they, they were still questions that were. Um, very mainstream questions, you know, and then I would answer, you know, with how would you address it? And then of course it leads me to positive reinforcement. So it's become a real source for a lot of people to get some ideas. And, and that I think was a kind of a part two of reaching people.
1: It's amazing. I love it. So mm-hmm. You, on, you you really are a um, a pioneer in this aren't you it's extraordinary because back then youtube was probably only just taking off as well so it's amazing so um where to then
0: what happened next okay then i as i kind of started going out and doing more and more clinics i actually went to uh i started going more international so i've done you know i would do for a while there, I do six, eight, 10 weeks in Europe teaching. And I've also been to New Zealand teaching. So someday I'll get to Australia, I'm sure. You but will. so I went off and started, it would be, I would love that. I but promise be,
1: you will. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> I love that. So that's where I kind of took it more international. But just because I wasn't out there pushing, I I got to come back and see how far we had come. You know, and then I also got to see kind of where people were getting it wrong. So I got to see kind of the issues that were coming up. And you're like, why does this keep happening for people? What are they doing that? So it was really great. And then after teaching in Europe or teaching all over and getting more growing with that, I'd also hooked up for a bit with something called Connection Training, which is an online resource with – Hannah Weston and Rachel Bedingfield. and yeah. so we worked together I with that for a while
1: them before as well. So you can also go back and have a listen to the podcast with Rachel and Hannah if you haven't heard it already. They're a bit fantastic as well. So tell us, yeah,
0: and it was great, and we were a great team together. So the three of us really worked together, and we we're all very kind of like we would do our Q and As, and everybody had a different take, you know. So it was we were really a good team. But then what happened is I got. Um, and it was cool because we had, at one point we had, we had brought some instructors through the course when I was there and, and we had instructors from like nine different countries and that's kind of amazing. I would sit there and think, this is crazy that, you know, I, I remember when nobody knew, you know,
1: mm. and now here we are. That's why but, I laughed that back in 1995, you're thinking everyone's going to want this <laughs> but, um, because even now it's like people hear positive reinforcement training and they roll their eyes so, yes. You know, but the but so for somebody like me who's been really um, promoting this for a year, it's I still see it as small. But for somebody like you who literally started this movement so long ago, you must see it as being so massive by now.
0: I do. I still see we have a long way to go, yes. but I see it is exponentially growing. It is growing so much. Faster, and I think social media had a lot to do with it, you know. So, I think it's because it, it helped to educate and help communication and, and form communities. So, I think it's been a great thing. And so, with then at one point, I uh, one of the people that I'd done a bunch of clinics for out here in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is a lovely town in, in the US, and she the barn where she was boarding her horses came up for sale, and she decided to buy it. And turn it into a positive reinforcement training facility. Wow. So, she, yeah, it's just it's like a dream come true here. So she uh, she's really done a lot. And this is called Terra Nova Training Center, and we are focusing really on trying to get people here to help them get past. Because anybody that's coming here, we've had people from all over coming so far, and we've only really just starting you know, really getting started with it. And it is really to help people to work hands-on with our horses. We have different themes for some of the things, not, not not the only thing we work on, but we just recently did one for the untouchables, the feral horses, the abused horse. How do we, how do we get through that? And then we have one coming up for trail Elodie, one coming up for ridden work. So we really want to get people to have the hands-on with a whole series of different horses, and to form some communities so we can get people out there really getting it right and and training people. So, and it's nice, you know, if we, we're building a, a, a classroom learning center, and we have uh, like a Liberty Paddock that's going to be attached to that as soon as it gets done, which is going to be, you know, next year, really. And then we're also really, one of the things we're focusing. Focusing on is trying to get the positive reinforcement to the competition world because it is a place that is just really needed. And, you know, and it's one of the things that helps sustain horses is that world. And it brings it up to a level. There's a lot of people that will never compete at that level, but there's a lot of people that idolize and look up to people at that level. So trying to get people to give them Alternative ways to teach traditional things so one of the things that you know we used is what we call the reverse round pen so the horse is on the outside you 're on the inside we put it at a 20 meter circle so like schooling a young horse and it's a way that 's big enough and we can help the balance and then we can help the horse as they kind of lower their head and bring themselves underneath but they're free to come and go and do whatever they want but the horse creates the movement we 're just there to Capture it and then we built like I saw
1: a video on that on Facebook this morning.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's it is amazing. I've
1: just posted it on my Facebook page and it is the coolest thing. And that's what I said. I said, this is some of the best things I've ever seen. The human is on the inside of the round pen and mm-hmm. the horse is on the outside of the round pen. We need to say that again so you can really get the visual of what's <laughs> going on. So the horse has the choice to leave at any time. It's the human who is inside the round pen and it's made with like witch's hats and a tape that goes around. And um, the one I saw this morning and this 11 month old horse is learning to go around in a trot in a beautiful way. And it was just capturing the beautiful movement.
0: And that's, we have posted some too with my Murray, who is a horse, it's a, a lot of horse, and to see him kind of, you see him really start to use himself, and he's stretching out his, you know, he's extending his trot, and and we're shaping that. At first, it was just go around and don't leave, but you know, but you can leave if you want to, but let's try to get it where you want to stay here more, yeah. and then... It was saying, okay, but now let's get where you're You're lowering your head a little bit and you're bringing your hind end in a little bit. And so you're starting to get now a competition looking horse. This is what people work on a lunge line to get. Mm. And yet he is now being able to create it and build the strength in a balanced way so he can get strength enough to be able to take that with a rider, you know? So instead of equipment creating it, he's starting to kind of use his back and he's starting to create these things. And we we also will use a rectangle. And that with the rectangle, it also, it's a way that you can work on kind of the balance through the turn. So there's just, that's what we're kind of about is really trying to find different ways to go about it. And that there was one point, and we want to, but yet be able to, to go through positive reinforcement to be able to use regular equipment, but be not use it as a training tool. It's an incidental. So positive reinforcement was impetus behind it. It's why they did it. There's a lot of times people will do what we call um, negative reinforcement with a cherry on top, you Mm -hmm. know, so it's pressure release and then they feed it. And I'm like, but the impetus for the behavior actually was the pressure and the release of the pressure. So that really is not the same as them kind of creating it and, and having the choice to do it or not and us really getting them to understand it. And I, yeah. it's such a huge difference.
1: And the key there also is not only is the horse using, um, learning to use its body in a different way, it's feeling really good about it because the positive reinforcement yeah. brings that dopamine response, which is the happy feeling drug hormone response. So Not only are they learning to use their body themselves, when they do it, they feel good about themselves when they do it. And that's the key. They're not
0: just doing it. They're loving doing it. That's and that's where I say we can teach them to love showing, you know, be, but you just got to start small. And so they goes, oh, this is bad. I love this. OK. And with Murray, he when he's an off the track thoroughbred. And when I get on now, I can feel him calm. You know, like, he know, he, that connection is actually soothing for him. There's a day he was we had the sizer kind of walker. So he was out there and I was bringing him in to get ready to ride. And he's very green. So like I haven't even cantered on him and the horse that was next to him, she kind of got lit up about something. I don't know what, but then he came in a bit over threshold. So I take him to the cross ties. Now the guys are working in doing, changing the mats, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: And he's just too lit up and, and, but he has his tack on by now. So that kind of, that just took him up. He was over threshold. It was trigger stacking. And so I thought, what can I do to help you relax? Should I just untack you and put you in a stall? Um, and, or should I attack you and put you in the turnout? Should I put you out with a friend? What should I do? And I thought, you know, when he's most relaxed is when he's being ridden. And so I thought, well, let's just see. And so I took him to the arena and I thought if he doesn't feel like he's focusing, I'm not getting on a horse. It's this over threshold, but it's clear he got calmer. And so I, I got on and I could feel the tension melting away. Now that only comes that's because of our relationship that has been yeah. built on positive reinforcement. So he's like, "Okay, everything's right with my world, and I love this part." So now he just let it go and he focused, and and that's not what people would normally think. That's how I can help him relax. So, and that's so we can do that. We can that's help. That's the them.
1: power of this training. Yes. That's how powerful it can be in a positive, beautiful way.
0: Yes. And it's just, they can love that. And jumping, I think, is really fun for horses, but we we can overface them and we make it too worky and too scary and too, you know, but just to go, hey, we're going to teach you to free jump, but can you go back and forth over the jumps? And they're like, they're like yes, and this is so much fun. And then you go, okay, and, you know, and it's just the whole thing. And pretty soon they just think you've, you've classically conditioned their whole world and they think wow. it's just amazing. And it's, wow. it's, it is powerful.
1: Wow. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. Um, And you also have a podcast, which I'm very excited about because I do love podcasting. And what I love about your podcast is you like your clinics. Um, If people can't get across to the other side of the world, there are so many other ways that they can tap into your wisdom because each podcast, it seems, is about a certain topic and how it is that you approach that topic from a positive reinforcement
0: view. Yes, exactly. I really wanted to have people to have a place that they can go and, and think, okay, well, I have an issue. And whether they know positive reinforcement or not, what they'll, they'll need to, to kind of carry on with these things. But you're giving them solutions to some common issues. And, and I think it's, it's really fun, but I think it is needed. People need a way that they can listen and go and try it and, and have some ideas. And it's, it's very fun to do.
1: Yeah. And I have a question for you about clicker training, because like I said at the start, people are starting to say, you know, it, it doesn't work, which just means the person doing it is doing it incorrectly. Where mm-hmm. Where's the best reference for us to go to, to learn what it is we're probably doing wrong when we're using clicker training or target training, if it's not working for us and our horse?
0: You know, I think, you know, going to the podcast is one place. and there's There's also Um, And I think the YouTube videos are great. There's, there's books, there's good books out there. There's a, uh, a group on Facebook called empowered equestrians. And it's really is a focused group of positive reinforcement people. It's thousands of people. They're trying to answer questions and, and, you know resolve some of these things. so I think that there's lots of good resources out there again it kind of goes with the social media you know so there's there's lots and lots of good ways. My book is a great book for getting started and it's uh, kind of in a rudimentary way explains the principles. But now as it's going on, you know, it's time to be redone because people are more sophisticated than I was writing the book in 98, you know, it came out in 2001, but people are more sophisticated and do know things. I can actually call it what it is. You know, it used to be like, I can't say that people, it's too hard for people. So I think there's lots of great places out there that you can learn a lot. And I think the Empowered Equestrians is really kind of a good place to get a good start. But, but yeah, there's, there's lots of good ways to do it. And getting it right, I think, like you said, is really important. And that's people, if somebody says they don't like clicker training, and I kind of don't always like that word because we didn't, that's a dog training word and we didn't use clickers with the marine mammals, but it's a little tricky. But there's people that will just hear it and they're like, no. And mm-hmm. so I know, one, they either truly don't understand what it is because it's science. It's, I didn't make this up. This is, and and nobody made this up. We discovered this is how animals and people <laughs> learn. Yeah. And so it's applied learning theory. It's about trying to figure out how they learn, what they do. And so the, I know that they either, one, don't understand what it's about, or they've seen it done incorrectly. So people, you can do this as wrong as anything else. And you can get yourself into trouble with some, pieces. So I try to put out things that address some of these basic issues. There's one I have out there about overexcited horse, so and that's on YouTube. And it is, it, this is one of the things I see often is the horse gets too over aroused and too excited. And then we make it all about the doing. And, and then the horse is like, and do, and do, and do. And you're like, yeah. you have know, a monster, like a little kid going to Disneyland. You know, they're just, yeah. you're like, whoa. And so trying to really work on relaxation. And to me, The most important thing in the world is standing calm and relaxed, not standing still, standing calm and relaxed. But in this one that I got, it's three sessions with a horse who is, we go from manic to settling. And I think that it's, that's probably one of the biggest issues people have, I think from the outset, they tend to forget how important standing still and quiet and trying to shape relaxation and thinking about those emotions in the training. I a lot of times will use the, the positive reinforcement to train stuff. But my biggest emphasis is actually on the attitude and the emotions. One of the things I say all the time, teaching stuff is actually very, very, very easy. It's getting the attitude right that's a tricky part. But once you get it right, it all can just fly and it's easy and fun, but trying to figure out, do I have a shutdown horse who doesn't really want to move? Do I have a distracted horse? Do I have a horse who's too busy doing everything and trying to balance everybody out? So they're in a good emotional place. And it goes back to that first lesson of really trying to improve their quality of life.
1: Wow. It's been so wonderful. (laughs) So completely wonderful. It's, um, I, I do the big sigh because it's a relief to have you out there in the world doing this. I'm just so happy you're out there. And I'm also so happy that I'm able to um, bring this to my community as well so that we all slowly connecting with each other. I'm going to I hadn't heard the empowered equestrians group on Facebook. I'm going to check that out and start sharing that through my pages as well because um, because that's really important that we all band together and I think the more we band together, then the more we get it into the competition worlds and things like that, and and it will happen. It will happen. It,
0: it will happen. And I, the, you, and you can go to the Terra Nova website or our uh, Terra Nova Facebook page, and the Shauna. Harris on Target, Ask Shauna Facebook page. And there's things posted there too, that'll be fun and helpful too. But it is, I think the Empowered Equestrian has the biggest community. And I got to say, Tracy, I love your mission and what you're setting out to do. This is, you know, it is very much similar to, you know, mindsets and similar, you know, we're like soul sisters. In yeah, there.
1: Absolutely. So but that's right. what I find it. We all are. We're yes. all in our little pods all around the world and we're all, we all have the same dream and we all have the same kind of mission. And it's just, um, and it's just about bringing us all together and creating a worldwide community because there's so many people out there who feel alone.
0: Yes. And,
1: um, and also different people connect with different, personalities and and different you need something slightly different for a certain horse that is a certain way and there's so many resources now to get this from so I'm definitely going yeah. to put because you've got three websites I'm going to put all the links <laughs> to, to websites and everything the show notes and Facebook groups and the whole lot so you'll definitely know um, where to find you but um,
0: you have to come to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and spend a week with us in our intensive workshops. Oh, I will!
1: <laughs> <I laughs> it sounds amazing, that. amazing. Not this year, but I will. I've <laughs> got to put. Um, I've got to put a worldwide tour of me going to meet all of the people now on my podcast, <laughs> as well as creating centers to bring you all out to Australia, so that, um, I really have the vision and the dream of of creating centers where all of us know that we can just book in on calendars all around the world and know that you can have these places to go. You don't have to pre-think, okay, I'd like to go to Australia. How will I get that organized? It's just like, okay, there's a community there. These are the properties I can go to. I just need to book the right time and, and make it happen. And we just
0: make it happen. Yes. And I think it's really great to make it easy for people to people you said this kind of in when we were talking about sometimes people say the right things and then you go watch and you're going that actually doesn't line up and so i think when you kind of can can say no this is kind of endorsed or you know been vetted you know we've looked through this This is actually you can count on what this is i think it's really important and can help people prevent them from going down the wrong path that maybe isn't for them you know yeah Yeah. great
1: So what I was saying to Shauna before we started recording with my mission of bringing all of this together is that I spent a lot of time with people telling me about these amazing horse trainers. And I would pay this money and I would put a weekend aside and I would go to this horse clinic, all excited to learn something that would fit the values because I knew what I wanted in a horse trainer. I just didn't know How that was trained, I I could see positive reinforcement, but I didn't know it was positive reinforcement. I just knew the values I wanted, and I would turn up at these highly acclaimed (laughs) clinics, and within ten minutes, I'd be like, "Oh, damn it! You know this isn't (laughs) it. You know the the story that was talked to me, and all the things that were said." but what's actually being done are not the same thing. So I've spent so much time, you know, trekking around and finding what I didn't want. And now I'm actually really connecting to what it is that I do want. So what I can guarantee you um, with everything that I promote within my business and this podcast is it it follows a very strict set of values that I vet everything in certain ways to make sure it has the elements of that, um, that, Really ethical, gentle, kind choice oh. when it comes to training. So, um, so that is my guarantee to everyone that when you turn up at these clinics, it will have those deep values in there that you don't have to worry. Like I did for such a long time, for <laughs> wasting <And>, money. <laughs>
0: that and it's really, I just love that. I love your passion and I love your vision. Oh, thank you, know, you an encouraging thing for people is University of Guelph has online courses. They have equine behavior and advanced equine behavior. And I've been doing guest spots, you know, I do a week at a time for five years now. But they told me this year now they're shifting to more and more positive reinforcement as part of it. So again, that speaks to the changes that are out there in, in the world. So it's happening.
1: It is happening. It is. And, uh, and it will continue and it will continue and it can only grow from here. So, um, for now, Shauna, thank you so much for your time today, but moreover, thanks for everything you've done for the horse world. My goodness, it's been a long journey and you're not anywhere close to finished yet. You're still going. So from every horse out there that you've helped, <laughs> that you've woken up, um, you know, a very big heartfelt. Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you, Tracy. Those are very kind words. And it's been a pleasure chatting with you and to all your listeners. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thanks everyone for listening and, and coming along for the ride with us all. To connect with Shauna, you can follow the links in the show notes or go to my website, EdenRiverEquestrian.com, where all of the links are also available. I'm on a mission to create a community of conscious horse people so that all their horses all over the world can live a better life this is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help if you enjoy this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses by bringing consciousness to the horse world please engage with me somehow you can leave a review on itunes or facebook share or comment on social media posts or tell your friends about the podcast You'll find all the links to our social media on our new website, EdenRiverEquestrian.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you'll find me on LinkedIn. For now, our social media handles will all stay at Come Along for the Ride. In the coming weeks, we'll transition everything over to Eden River Equestrian. If your friends don't know how to podcast, just send them to my website and tell them to hit play. It's the most user-friendly way to listen for anyone you know who would love to listen but isn't quite sure how. I'd really love it if you'd get in touch and say hi. Let me know who you would like to hear interviewed on the podcast. I have some wonderful people lined up to speak to, but this is your show as much as mine, so please, if there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch via the website or social media. Once again, that's EdenRiverEquestrian.com. A huge thanks to those who do get in touch and give me ideas and names of people to interview. I love the people you are bringing my way, whose story I can share with all of you in our community. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time on Come Along for the Ride.